Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. Well, guys, we have reached the finish line of the 2021-22 NBA season as things came to a wrap Sunday. It was another great and exciting NBA season, although the Lakers might disagree. <laughs> full of twists and turns, surprises, and plenty of exciting drama, as usual. Uh, we, of course, have a lot of playoff business to unpack, but uh, let's quickly visit some of the off-court news. If you want to know how much credit you build, you build up after coaching a team to the NBA championship, <laughs> the answer is two years. <laughs> As the Lakers fired head coach Frank Vogel after three full seasons at the helm. <laughs> oh, man. We haven't seen a, a coach get blamed for bad GM roster moves like this since Neil O'Shea fired Terry Stotts a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so LeBron paid his respects to Vogel and expressed his admiration for the job he did. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Westbrook, on the other hand, said he, I know. <laughs> He didn't know what Vogel's issue was with him. But unless I'm missing something, I believe the issue was his poor play. <laughs> more specifically, it would be not being more of a complete player by not contributing defensively, playing well off the ball, and poor shot selection. The three times, I know, Ryan, you've got some feelings about uh, Westbrook's I mean, the <laughs> – I just love the quote so much. I just want to like make that my motto. Not sure what his issue was with me. <laughs> Where did it go wrong? I don't so know. great. I mean, it's it's definitely emperor. You know, it's not wearing any clothes situation right here. Like someone needs to tell him. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I felt but bad for listen. Yeah. Well, did well, you see the other quote that he got asked at his own exit press conference? You know, I think they said AD and LeBron have talked a lot about this year about letting Russ be Russ. How do you feel like that went this year? And he goes, well, that pretty clearly didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that was the problem. They didn't let him be him. This and reminds what? me, my son has has um, a voice modulation issue. Well, it's not really an issue. It's a personality trait. And he will it's called being an Eni. It's yeah, called being an Eni. <laughs> he'll scream at dinner. And then he'll cover his ears because it's too loud and he'll yell at us for making too much noise. Meanwhile, he is screaming. This reminds me of Russell Westbrook at his press conference today. Uh, I don't know if that's a voice modulation issue, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk later about that. You should see him in restaurants. (laughs) I love the part. That is an Edie though. It's a total Edie move to like be really loud and then yell at everyone. He got both ends of it. It's it's the perfect combo of Eni right there. So, All that so he, he can dish friends. it out, but he can't take it. Is that, is that what it comes down <laughs> there to? There we go. There you go. That's the, that might be vintage Eni right there. We're sensitive sensitive souls, us Enies. So, <laughs> I just felt bad for Vogel. I mean, that like people blame you know Wojnarowski or whatever, but obviously he's just doing his job taking his orders from the agents he works for. So it's nothing he's done, but it's just. 
I felt bad for Vogel. Like he literally announced they they released he's getting fired the moment the game's over and he gets asked about it afterwards. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. So it's just it's rough, man. Well, it's it's funny actually because I was thinking about this last night. I was trying to figure out who benefited from leaking the Vogel news. I actually think he tweeted it. I I, I heard that he tweeted it with about with actually two seconds left. There was like an out of bounds play right at the end of the Lakers game in overtime. The Austin man. Reeves show wasn't quite over yet. <laughs> you see, Mac, you see, Max Mac McClung uh, did the Dominique dunk too. It was in the fourth quarter. It was great. Anyway. <laughs> It's like Alex Caruso 2.0 and 3.0 all at the same time. Oh man, Caruso is Caruso will hold that against you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to figure out like who benefits from basically throwing him under the like is it Palinka basically trying to like transfer the stink so that he can keep his job or is there I couldn't figure out who was benefiting from you know, again, throwing Vogel on. Obviously, Vogel is getting fired. I mean, this has been like positioned since Christmas, so it's not exactly surprising that Vogel actually got terminated. It's just the way it was released, the way it was handled. I mean, the irony of a of an LA Lakers tweet from like their official Twitter handle saying "Thanks, Frank" this morning. Meanwhile, it was like leaked this out like last night at the end of the game, <laughs> Thanks, and they were Frank. terminating them. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I don't. There's it, only it one not, it wasn't person. A great look, but I couldn't figure out who was in a benefit. There's only one person who knows the answer to that question. There's only Magic. one person who knows what he's thinking right now. It's Neil O'Shea. <laughs> previously mentioned. It's a, it's an act of desperation, deflection. You know, attention away from the roster moves. Blame it all on the head coach. I think it was Linda Rambis, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. People are jumping, you know, was it Stephen A? It was like, oh, the Lakers need a new voice now. I mean, come on. It just doesn't seem fair. Two years removed from winning a championship. He was not the problem. It's not like he forgot how to coach or lost touch with the players, I don't think. I mean, it was a it was a, a comedy of errors with the roster moves, right? So, Well, and he created a really good defense the first two years. I mean, that year they won the championship. Even last year with the injuries they faced last year, the defense was good, even with a bunch of guys that they acquired that, like Schroeder, Harold, different guys that are not known to be top defenders. Their defense, like, hung tough last year. And so I feel like for an NBA coach, you know, if you either can bring in and create, like, a top five, top ten offense – um kind of overachieve that way or if you can create a defense that's top 10 like if you have a defense top 10 and two top 10 players that's that's why they won the championship so um i mean frank vogel is also not an amazing coach let's just say that his his stint in orlando did not uh was not amazing so i mean it's he not is a bad a, run in indiana though he's a fungible yes that's true he, when he's had talent he's done well so he he's a solid coach but you know now they're talking I mean, that's about better Nick. than Doc Rivers, so <laughs> that's true. Then now they have talk about Nick Nurse. Supposedly he's a he's part of uh, LeBron's agency, so he's uh, they're, they're they're making moves. We'll see. What, I just don't really see Nick Nurse. Like I read this piece about Pas- Pascal Siakam, and I don't know if Nick Nurse if his coaching style will go over well with, with late stage LeBron or any stage LeBron. So yeah. that seems unlikely. I'd be a little afraid of LeBron. Yeah. Well, happy trails, Coach Vogel, a, a better GM, and you'd still be there. But uh, the uh, I'm going to mention this too. The Dallas Mavericks had a very unfortunate ter- 
uh, excuse me, unfortunate turn of luck over the weekend or on Sunday as star player Luka Doncic strained his calf during the last game of the regular season. The extent of the injury is unclear, but he could be missing some games. Uh, most teams respond to this type of injury with a next man up mentality. <laughs> However, for the Mavs, there is no next man up. Uh, this Luka is the whole team. Who is it, Reggie Bullock? I mean, it's, it's, uh... Oh, man. <laughs> Oh man, Very the great cra- the, the crazy part is he was supposed to be suspended for the game, and then they they oh, they that's right. for the sixteenth tee, and they rescinded it. So, oh man, such a bummer. And we'll get we'll talk playoff matchups, but yeah, it it it's, it's it went from the worst of times with Utah Jazz to the best of times <laughs> because yeah, that's right. if he plays anywhere near hundred percent, he's absolutely going to just destroy them. They have no one who like can break their it. soul type he's, of destroy. He's the like. Can you imagine him in the playoffs not getting chased around by Kawhi and PG? Like it's going to be, uh, or even Beverly. I mean, Beverly is a better, tougher defender than anyone they have. So. Um, they're they're crossing their fingers, but yeah, it's well, a that's a funny thing is he's, he averages thirty five a game in the playoffs in his two series he's ever had, getting chased around by the likes of like you know, the, these these defenders that are like world class. I mean, it just it it'll be curious to see when he comes back. But my biggest question is why the heck was he playing? I mean, the way the playoff stuff shook out, it was evident even half at halftime of that Golden State game that they were not going to lose. So why is Doncic playing at that point? I think I saw a quote that Jason Kidd said, well, I think we're going to be the first game on Saturday, so we wanted to keep him going. I was like, that's a week from now, buddy. Like, what? (laughs) what, Did you guys see any plausible reason for him to be playing a week ahead of of the first game of the playoffs? Yeah, no, I was wondering about that. I mean, I guess it made sense to start the game with him playing, but, uh, yeah, you got to be keeping tabs on the situation and – it's pretty bad. This is like this is like the Tibbs and Rose thing where uh, where Rose got his major injury during during garbage time or time where they were ahead by like whatever twenty points with like two minutes left. So bad play, Jason Kidd. Low light of his season, maybe. It was a great run, kid. It was a great run. <laughs> you you almost ruined Giannis. Don't ruin Doncic for us yeah. too, please. <laughs> Okay, the only other thing I was going to mention here, Joel Embiid did win the scoring title, and Trey Young led the league in both total points and total assists. Wow. Impressive. He also did it in college. Really? Yeah, at Oklahoma. I did this like four years ago, did the same thing. I mean, it's crazy. Talk about counting stats, man. That yeah. is that's tremendous. And then you had the you know, Jokic, was it 2,000, 2,000 1,500? Oh, yes. Is that what he did? Points, boards, and assists? So. Yeah. So guys put in some work this year, even with, you know, all the injuries and everything. Yeah. I do think oh. it's fascinating. I think on this vein of, of the season ending, one of the things that I think we thought would get better with the change in the lottery odds is that now in back-to-back years, we've had the same two, four worst teams. Houston, Orlando, Detroit, and Oklahoma City were both were, – were, were they, they were in the tankathon two years in a row. And so they, they've both been – all four of those teams were the worst teams last year. They are also all four the worst teams again. Sam Presti can't catch a break. He keeps winning untimely games <laughs> to result. I think he played six guys, uh, including five guys on either two-way contracts or 10-day contracts, and he played them all like in the in the low 40s in total minutes. Like he, he was literally doing everything in his power to lose games, and I still think they beat the Blazers. So 
Um, yeah, they ended up in the four slot, but it just it it's. I'm curious to see if if the NBA continues to take bigger strides here in in creating more incentive to compete. Because again, there's still I think it's still evident that the race to the bottom is is uh, reasonable, and anything short of a, of a lottery reform that results in something that's even more balanced across all of the non-playoff teams. I don't know what, what the other answer is to continue to create incentive for some of these teams to, to not just keep losing. I mean, that's what's so interesting with a team like Detroit, right? They get Cade Cunningham last year. They're horrible again this year. They get another big pick. They have a few other guys. Bring in Chet. Bring in Chet with Sadiq Bay. I mean, it's Stewart. I mean, they and all of a sudden the rebuild is on its way. I mean, and, and so the strategy has continued to work, but it's it is an, I think a fascinating thing for the for the totality of the league is even in a league in a year that has so much parity across. You know, the, the the title contenders there's probably ten title contenders in reality. You still have this entire sect sect of the league that's kind of the have-nots that just basically have been mailing it in since, I mean, to, to different degrees, the whole season or since January 1st or since February 15th or whatever it's been. And, and you know, they're still and then pursuing these strategies to rebuild. And so I'm, uh, I'm curious if the league is going to continue to take steps to change that or if it's, you know, kind of what it is now between, you know, some slight lottery reform coupled with the playing games that there's enough efforts and and uh, and the worst part of it is, is despite some of these teams are intentionally doing it, the worst part is that the Sacramento Kings can't get out of their own way <laughs> after 15 years. So, uh, and word is they might try to hire Mark Jackson. So they, you know, oh, the poor get poorer, I guess. Yeah, they told Alvin Gentry that uh, you know they didn't want him back, and uh, I think he probably said the feeling was mutual. <laughs> <laughs> poor Gentry. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good call out. And I, I think the hard part, though, is, you know, most of these teams, Houston being the exception, but, you know, Oklahoma City, Detroit, Orlando are all smaller markets. So it's it's kind of hard to tell those guys, hey, you can't you can't tank. You should be trying to compete and win when, you know, they're not going to be able to get a free agent or, you know, they'll have a hard time bringing in guys other ways other than getting to the top of the draft. Now you could counter that by saying, well, maybe you shouldn't move your team to, you know, the middle of Oklahoma from one of the great cities in the world. Uh, by the way, the thunder, one of the lowest attendance this year of any, any team too. They're like 27th in attendance. So a bunch of fair weather fans. It's pretty easy to be big thunder fans when you have like the greatest, one of the great crop of players ever to come through any team ever. So maybe we'll another one. With- with the one point, with the roster they threw out much of this year, the fact that they were 27th in the league might be a testament to their fans more than anything else. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I was getting a little out of myself, but uh, I can't believe you're. I can't believe you're defending them, Michael. I, I have guess. an NBA podcast, and they're five. I I was confused about who their five starters were. It's like the it's like the NBA. Uh, it's like it's like Chuck on the TNT show. It's like <laughs> who he played for. I was like, wait, who who, who are these guys? <laughs> NBA, it's fantastic. Um, I but I, I do think you know the th- the Thunder though came. I think last year they came really close to getting the Rockets pick because of all the different machinations and trades. But because Houston tanked so hard, they were able to keep it and draft Green. Um, Presti nails his picks, man. Yeah, I mean. Giddy is legit. I mean, this yeah. draft. I mean, the people said it. This draft is was 
amazing. I mean, we'll yeah. talk a little bit more. I mean, they definitely. So I think he'll he'll whoever he picks will be good. Um, but I just it's just it's hard. It's a long road back. Um, and, and I think it's even more impressive what you know Masai Ujiri and in Toronto did, where they like. I mean, they were got some good break with the lottery, but still, like to dip their toe back in the lottery. Um, have a bad year, go in, get like an all star player, and then pop back out and be fifth in the East is that's that's some impressive that's an impressive rebuild on the fly. So, um, I mean, it's helped by Siakam turning into an absolute menace again. Um, and, and just really quick on Siakam, again, really great, you know, long piece um, about him, and you know, I think you know, all three of us have spent time in Africa actually helping coach basketball at different points in our lives. Like I kind of like Siakam. I mean, coming from Cameroon and being like, he went from eight years picking up a basketball and being an all, an all NBA player. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And then, and you forget how like all of these things going on behind the scenes, especially during the pandemic, like really took a toll and you know he has family all over the world in the u.s canada back home south africa like all over the place he's like he can't he can't leave because of his immigration status from canada very easily eventually they play in orlando that whole year um he went just through a lot of rough rough periods and you just i mean guys like him and be like we just forget that these guys like they didn't grow up like hooping with their like, you know, uncle or their older brothers. Like they just kind of got introduced to the game, and they're like so good and so relentless. Like he was able to come over. He went to one of the South Africa camps, like the Nike or the NBA camp. He goes over. He plays in high school. He gets one offer. New Mexico State goes there. Red shirts. Only speaks French. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just. And so I think sometimes we see these guys and we're like, what's what's his problem? Why is it Embiid in better shape? Like, why isn't Siakam, like, why did he tail off? It's like, these guys have completely rebuilt their life. They're like, they're like on the frontier. They're like explorers. They're like Lewis and Clark, man. It's like, they <laughs> they have accomplished such amazing things in their life. It's it's just, so I'm just glad Siakam's back on it. He definitely, Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri definitely are hard asses, but <laughs> man, they definitely like, they're definitely like a very honest organization. It, it, it seems it definitely, you know, there were some blowups he had with Nick Nurse, but they just—it was a great piece. He just talks about how he kind of turned the corner earlier this year, and it was just on. But like, he was out of shape. He had all these issues, and it's just—it's so fun. We always talk about having these guys like playing at their top level. If it's a rookie, if it's Siakam coming back, potentially being third team All NBA this year or, or close to it. It's just, yeah, it's just fun seeing guys play at such a high high level, uh, especially going to the playoffs. So. Well, I'm curious, Siakam always strikes me as a guy who's going to forever sort of ebb and flow in this pendulum of like slightly overrated and slightly underrated or, or, or discounted overly because the, the things he provides are very valuable in winning environments. But if you're in an environment that isn't winning, like the 2020 Raptors, as compared to the 19 Raptors or now the 22 Raptors, I think those teams had, you know, they had things that really catered to his skill set in terms of the effort and the exuberance and the defense and the rebounding and 
all the things he's really good at that's going to probably result with him being third team all all NBA this year. Whereas, again, in those in that year where they were so bad last year, again, all over the place, but also I think in a losing environment doesn't translate as well. And so that's it's interesting when it's an interesting sort of landscape I think when you think about players of that ilk that are in tougher situations and it's it's it kind of always boggles my mind that more some of these teams that are that are in the sort of fringes don't make efforts to try to acquire guys like Siakam that that maybe had some performance issues or some challenges on a bad team and you there is some credence to new circumstances, new situations, really benefiting guys like that. And and not that Siakam have that necessarily. I mean, frankly, the fact that Nurse and, and Masai were like, we're keeping him. I mean, there's a lot of rumors of him to Portland last year because of his performance, which have been selling like at an all-time low. And meanwhile, I mean, the reason, the reason they're so good is largely because of Siakam's resurgence, but also coupled with, Van Vliet, OG being healthy much of the year, Scotty Barnes coming along, right? All of a sudden, he's got he's got all the pieces that work for his skill set to the point where it's like, is he actually a top 15 player in the NBA? I mean, I would be hard-pressed to say, yes, he is. Has he had a top 15 season? Yeah, he's super deserving of a third-team All-NBA slot. But I don't think, you know, when you stack up all the guys in the league, if, if he really is in that echelon. But because of, again, the situation he's in, it really does translate well. So it's, it's been fun to watch, again, a guy, guy like that because you want them at their best. I mean, all these different guys, you know, whether, you know, it's it's whatever team they're on, whatever environment they're in, having the opportunity to be their best, the best version of themselves because it gives us the, the best product. No, it's a great it's a great point. And I think I think part of it is his story, though, of just being a rocket ship, really, like to introduce to basketball, be like come to the U.S. and play, play at this like really unknown school, even though it's D1, like getting drafted 27th and then like two years later, three years later, winning the championship. Like he kind of just had this rocket ship. So this is like, and to your point, Michael, he had like Kawhi, he was part of that bench mob or whatever when he started a couple years ago in Toronto. And then, you know, he's, he's just like uh Kawhi's wingman. And then he was kind of left to be the main guy. He didn't really know how to, to adjust to that. But it partly is getting, he just, he just, like he literally within a decade has come about as far as you can in like modern life. Um, he's never had that experience before. And, and one of the things they did do, which I think shows sort of the positive, um, role agents can play in the NBA is um, his agent actually really advocated for the Raptors to hire um, Earl Watson as an assistant. Um, With and, a recommendation from the Suns and Sarver. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he um, and Watson's kind of been his main like assistant, who's like worked with him and 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 helped him. Um, and I, and I, and I do think like this in the articles on, on Sportsnet, and it's by Michael Grange, who's a really great Raptors and NBA writer, but, um, it's a really long piece, but I, it's great. But I, 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 he makes a good argument though, that Siakam is making some strides in his game, which reminds me a little bit of kind of what we've seen with Tatum, where mm. he's kind of able, he's more able now to, um, respond to deep different defensive looks and how they're trying to stop him. Like Doc Rivers has quoted it. Like he could only go right. Like he, we, we just knew he could only go right until like last year. And then now he can at least shoot a pull up going left and he's got different things. And he uses these different examples of games where they, 
tried to take the ball out of his hands and he had 15 assists and they played a one-on-one and he scored 40 and he kind of like, he's getting that point. So I, it'll be interesting. He's turned 28. He's been only playing basketball for like 12 years. So I, I, I hear you, Michael, like he's definitely like on the edge of the top 15, but um, I mean, if, if he can stay there for a few years, like it's a whole other, it's a whole other ball game for them. Like, I mean, I got to think that Masai seeing him, make those strides because early in the season they they were struggling it did not look good it looked like they, they, might... they were 14 and 17 to start the year yeah yeah they didn't look good i think he saw siakam come back and he's like wait i got siakam i got van vliet these guys are the peak of their powers like we got something here it'll be interesting we'll get to the playoffs but it'll be interesting you, to see what happens you but... saw that coming ryan they they were a team that, that you oh backed, well, I, you know, I didn't and you never oh, wavered good point d i guess <laughs> Why, yeah, why did I read this long article about how great the Raptors are? I don't know. Maybe it makes me forget that I picked the Lakers yes. to win the oh, Western the regrets Conference. Too. Yes, it's always I a will mixed say, bag with predictions. Deep regret. We're talking about Pascal Siakam, a guy I was I was uh, maligned for calling the the homeless version of Giannis. No, but, yeah, but fair, not fair. not necessarily for that criticism because that was probably fair at the time. To be honest. What is more unique is we're talking about guys evolving their games after only playing the, the game of basketball for a few years. Giannis Antetokounmpo is like the best example of that. Yeah, I mean, so true. speaking of a guy who like has only played basketball for eight or nine years, a guy who has continued to progress his game. I mean, he broke the matrix in the middle of the playoffs last year That's and all a of a point. sudden just became the greatest player in the world. I mean, not, we're not I don't think, you know, Siakam's going to do that this year or probably never, but, you know, the, these guys do take these leaps, especially some of these guys who haven't been playing the game very long. And I wonder if there's something there in terms of inefficiencies where you kind of go, well, if they, you know, maybe he's not Giannis, but, you know, Embiid started watching videos of Kobe and all of a sudden, you, I mean, you guys, we've all seen those compilation videos of like, you know, Joel Embiid has these like little, has this mid-range game that, you know, he never really had. And it's because he's adding things to his game every off season that, you know, he hasn't had the years and the years and the years developing the, the, the skill sets because he was playing other sports. He was doing other things. He wasn't, you know, focused in the way he is now. Yeah. It reminds me, we talked about it before, but it reminds me of the, the quarterbacks and there's the quarterbacks who come up in the system and they have a quarterback coach since they're in, you know, fifth grade and they have all the mechanics down. They know all the reads they have, they've squeezed the or all the juice out of the orange that they can in terms of like mechanics and sort of understanding the game. But then you have the guys who play like three different sports and like maybe don't get as recruited as highly, but they like haven't squeezed that orange all the way yet. Right. So when they like take their athletic ability and their drive and competitiveness and apply it to the, their, the game, there's like a lot more, you know, a lot more juice that they can, and you see it, like you're saying, Michael, with Giannis, it's, it's, he's the best example because it's like he's still, people are like, oh, he can't shoot free, I can't do this, can't do that. It's like he's still learning, man. It's like, I mean, it's the equivalent of someone here when they're in high school, right? I mean, that's kind of like the equivalent of how many years, like that's how long when he was, he's when he MVPs when he's only been playing like a handful of years. So I, I just think it, it, it speaks to, um, yeah, him, Siakam, uh, I mean, I'm the most surprised by Tatum that Tatum has been able to kind of make those steps um, when he wasn't going that direction. But yeah, it's amazing to see it. And one last point on Siakam is he actually he was the youngest of six kids, and he got 
an invite to go to like the um, NBA Africa camp in South Africa. And he only went because he wanted to see his sister. His sister lived in South Africa at the time. And he was in Cameroon, youngest of six kids. And um, before he, uh, before he went and started playing basketball, he, um, his plan was to, I think he was, Maybe already attend. I'm trying to see. He already attended. He was attending seminary. D. He was. Uh, he's going to be a priest. <laughs> no, that's what I was going to say. Was he in one of those camps we ran in South Africa? I thought he looked kind of familiar. That's right. He's really good. Yeah. But yeah. it really speaks to like the. It's impressive if, if an organization can not only like for, foresee a, a player's, um, you know, growth. Like you're saying, like you know, okay, the, the upside that he has, but then to actually be patient to stick with the process. And like, cause especially with all the pressure of winning now, it's, it's, it's hard to like, be like, okay, we're re- re- really going to groom this guy and believe in him and stick with it. Be patient. I'm sure there's a lot of teams could learn uh, lessons with that. Uh, well, and they're, you're really right. And their ability to kind of hold him accountable because I think they were all pretty pissed off at him because he struggled so much. He gained weight. He wasn't as engaged. Like he was struggling yeah. the last couple of years. And they're like, we're giving you $35 million a year. Like we, we drafted you 27th. We developed you. Like you have to like, you know, I mean, it was like, it, they had this anecdote of him like working out. I think it was before this year. He was like working out, thought he was doing really well. And like, nurse and massage and bobby wester their gm came and they all just kind of kind of just broke him down or like you need to work harder this isn't enough like what are you doing <laughs> he thought he was doing great it was just like oh man <laughs> again i don't think that's going to work with lebron and anthony davis but uh you know good luck nick <laughs> they're like pastor this is the nba version of your coming to jesus moment uh, you, you gotta wake up come on padre <laughs> oh man so, yeah, so we got some matchups coming up. We got uh, Big Week, Big April Madness. This is like, is, you know, they have that, like, first four thing or whatever it's called. And this is like. The Dayton special, you know. The Dayton special. I mean, that is just, that's just sad. And it's it's so sad that people don't even make you do it on your bracket. Like, you can just, like, leave that. It's like, who cares? Leave that off if you want. So this is the real thing. This is people. We got some real teams here. So, Michael, you want to. Um, Certainly. Want to so, walk us through the matchups? Walk us through what we got this through. week? We do. So Tuesday, tomorrow night, uh, as we record on a Monday evening, we have the Cavs and the Nets at 4 p.m., and we have the Clippers Ooh. and the Timberwolves following that game. So you have the 7 and the 8s in both the Western and Eastern Conferences. And then on Wednesday, the following night, we'll have the uh, the lowly 9-10 matchups. You have Hornets Hawks. And uh, Spurs Pelicans, uh, which is a little bit of a mess. And then, and then Thursday you'll have the follow-on. So you have two more games, which will be the winner of the nine ten games against the losers of the seven eights. Um, so guys, wow. what do you think? As we uh, obviously the, the 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 biggest attraction is the Nets and the Cavaliers. Uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's chance to to get into the playoffs officially. It's I have found that the Eastern Conference one has lost a little luster just because of the of how injury ravaged the Cavs are. I mean, what a fun story! But the fact that like Allen and Mobley, um, among others, have been hurt now for much of the year, much of the last kind of several weeks, and and are appear to probably not be coming back for this game. Um, I think there was initially some some, some small hope that 
at least Allen would come back, but it looks like that's not going to happen. So it's, it, it, it seems like it might be nets going away, but um, what, Kevin what love is ready to step week? in. Did you see what, what he did on Sunday? Kevin, Kevin love. Yeah. Off the bench. Yes. Man. I mean, what a crazy game. <laughs> I mean, I think he had, what, he had 30 and 10 and 15 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. He's just getting ready for like rec league basketball, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to dominate the back club, man. <laughs> I just hope that Jared uh, Buckmaster could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that uh, Hawks Hornets game is better than last year's uh, Pacers. Was it Pacers, Pacers Hornets? Hornets. Last year? Yeah, it was bad. Goodness, could have done without that one. Otherwise, the playing tournament I've enjoyed. But uh, no, the, the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a that was a pretty close battle for the seven, eight, nine. So. Uh, we do have a, a a better nucleus of talent this year in that group, so I, I am excited for both those games. Yeah, it would have been fun I, to Michael's point if if the Cavs had stayed healthy and maybe stayed out of the plan. We had had you know the the Raptors or the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls have sort of been, are, wo- are walking wounded as well. But it would have been interesting to see because it does feel like I mean, the Nets are in a really good position to advance and just win that first game and then. Um, but it would have been fun to see like a Hawks Nets game to get into the playoffs. Yeah, like, that, that would, that would, I was kind of, ho- I mean, I, I want the Nets, to, I mean, you know, pick them to come out of the East. So fingers crossed, they actually make the playoffs. I think that would be a first time in the Cardi cup. If, if your two title, your conference representatives, but neither the, of them made the, the playoffs. But, but the Raptors had a great year. Uh, they've really <laughs> overcome exceeded expectations. Now I, I, yeah, I agree with the Cavs and then, I don't know. I like I like the Hawks. I, I I still I can't quit the Hawks, man. I, I feel like I mean young, like you said, young is so so dominant. Um, yeah, I hope it's a fun high scoring game, and I just don't know if the Hornets hat with Hayward. And I just don't know if they have enough. Um, outside of Ball and Bridges, like it's just kind of they need Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Then they'd be, they'd be they'd be in business. Uh, but what do you guys think of the East? What do you, any? Uh, well, it certainly any, felt like I texted you guys even a couple weeks ago. I think, and I just said it sure seems like it's brewing towards the Nets and the Hawks are going to be in the seven and the eight, given that uh, that that the issues the Cavs have had and then the Hornets similarly, as you kind of called out. I mean, it is funny though that that the way the plan has worked out this year particularly, but also to a certain degree in the Western Conference too, is that the Nets are going to be the seventh seed and, and, and the, the two-seed Boston Celtics are rewarded with playing the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, can the concept... I mean, we've moved to like positionless selections when it comes to the All-Star game. We have this play-in tournament. We have lottery reform. And for the love of God, can we please and analyze the conferences so that these guys can pick their own matchups in the first round. I mean, how great would it be is if we did the plan and then like Friday morning, we got the Miami heat making the selection for who they, we <laughs> pick the Chicago bulls. And Rosen can go, go kick rocks, man. I'll, I'll take his mid range jumpers in a four Oh sweep. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, that would be, I mean, why don't, is it just logistics? Is that just, I mean, I think it's it... probably logistics. I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of it, but I also, I mean, it can't be that different if the matchups were known on a Monday versus if they were known on like a Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, it, yeah. it's not that complicated if they wanted to do it. I honestly think it might be that someone's feelings are going to get hurt. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but this is the WWEification of the NBA <laughs> that we need. We need more of this stuff. We need, we need like there to be storylines and not even like oh what's the story in there, but just like some real stakes. We need some stakes, and obviously there's a lot of stakes with winning the title and winning MVP and going deep in the playoffs. So that gives us some very natural stakes. But I do feel like stuff like this would be great. Like, can you imagine like if the roles were reversed and the Heat were getting picked? Imagine if you picked the Heat like to play. Like they probably like imagine like interviewing Jimmy Butler and Spolstra and and Bam after they just got selected to play in the uh seriously one eight matchup. They would just be like it would be it would be like how are they going to respond to this? This is So were the 76ers were they afraid of Brooklyn? They didn't want that number two seed. Like they didn't play guys down the stretch. It seemed like no one wanted that two seed, but but except Boston, they weren't afraid to just grab it. So maybe you know. Well, they, they took it. I mean, that's the funny thing. On the last day of the season, the Bucks lost, and they they the NBA did this weird thing. They like they bundled all the scheduling together so that no one had a timing advantage except for the two three four matchup. In the Eastern Conference, so the Bucks played the only well. one that mattered. <laughs> yeah, they played well ahead of the Celtics and the Sixers, and so the Celtics watched the Bucks lose. And so, if the Celtics had lost on Sunday, they'd be the three seed, and the Bucks would be waiting for the Nets on Saturday. But um, instead, it uh, the Dude, Celtics the, went ahead and took care of business. The three seeds, where you want to be, man? Because the Bulls, yeah, no, the, Bulls, the Bulls, Bulls are like put them out of their misery. At this the Bulls point. have a negative point differential, and they're the six seed. Right? It's like. <laughs> I actually have two questions about the plan because I, I think there is some interesting basketball things, but from like a structural standpoint, do you think, do you think the plan dynamics in some ways watered down the last couple of weeks of basketball in the, in the Eastern conference? Because particularly there's this line of demarcation after 10, like the Knicks have been so bad that like seven through 10 was really just jockeying for position more than a do or die like we make the playoffs or we don't do you think it do you think it shortchanged some of that i mean being in the 7-8 game is a pretty substantial advantage compared to the 9-10 so i'm skeptical that it does but i i was thinking about because of the plan again has gives the hawks life there's not a do or die aspect to them you know trying to bull rush the playoffs that, that would have existed if the plan didn't 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 ever occur yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting just if if the Nets didn't have the backstop of the play-in because even with the play-in, it was looking a little shaky there for a while just before Durant came back and all the hardened drama, and then Simmons not coming back ever. But so I think, like, if they were trying to, like, just scurry in as the eight seed, you know, like, and if they didn't, they'd been out. Like, that would have been some drama. Um, but but I, I, I like – I just like the overall – piece where it um you know it gives two more teams reasons they want to compete and it also exposes more like who's tanking like you made the point like the same people are the top four we we know portland was tanking hard like in mean, portland could have easily made the they could have easily made the plan i mean it was that was in range even without lillard you know <laughs> it was like i mean i know that that was sort of a you know that was a potentially a flash in the pan but it was still like like the rest of these teams did not, uh, you know, sort of cover themselves in glory. Uh, <laughs> even the teams that were trying to get in, like the Kings or the Pelicans, it's just it was pretty ugly, uh, particularly in the West. But I, I like it. I like it overall. Um, what do you think, D? Yeah, I don't mind the trade off. I think you're right that it, it takes something away. But I mean, I enjoyed watching 
like I think that was important for Brooklyn to get as get in there as an eight or a seven and not be stuck in nine. So the whole jockeying for position I found intriguing enough that whatever downside that there was enough upside for me. Okay, so I think those are all great points. I do think the East really did play out kind of as intended. I'm curious in the Western Conference, there's a the demarcation isn't after ten so much as the demarcation is at eight and nine. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Minnesota Timberwolves are in the play-in and they had 146 games. They are 12 games better than the Spurs as a 10 seed. I mean, is is there at some point? Oh, I see. That you're 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 making like, the argument for the seven, like the seventh seeds is getting. Well, the OG play-in right in the bubble, they had to be within three or four games of the eight seed for the the uh, there there was like a. Do you remember that the Grizzlies, I think, had the eight seed and the Blazers had to be within a certain amount of games to like justify this like oh, winning, right, this right. win and oh, win yeah. play, play right. tournament? Right. Whereas, you know, last year and this year in like the normal season, it was always gonna be seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, I'm curious if they if the league is gonna consider and what you guys would think if there is at least some sort of they have to be in shouting distance to make it justified that a plane even occurs. Now it's all a money grab. Nothing will probably change, but there, it does seem like, you know, you play 82 games, the Timberwolves are, you know, the seven seed playing the Clippers, which is you know, not an easy with PG not... with PG back. I mean, yeah. the Clippers, if PG was not, hadn't been hurt for 40 games. I mean, the Clippers would be like, you know, the jazz would be shaking in their boots because they would no longer be the five seed. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's, that's pretty, pretty legit, but then all of a sudden they have a winner go home against the winner of a Pelican Spurs game, which, you know, the Pelicans have obviously had their issues, but they're a legit NBA team. I mean, and, and anything can kind of happen in one night. It feels like, you know, you, you spend 82 games sort of settling your record and all of a sudden you're 10 games better than another team, but you give Wait, them one more crack at it. Is that Michael Eney or LeBron James making this argument? <laughs> I'm not sure. That sounds familiar. No, that's a fair point. I mean, it's not – yeah, I mean – the the T-Wolves are the ones that get, you know, and, and even the Cavs, right? I mean, they had a great, or even let's say the Bulls had dropped into the play-in. It's like they had great years, and then they may not even make the playoffs. Like, it is it is weird to me. The play-in games don't count for playoff stats. It's like there's no stats. It's just like, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a play, it's a playoff game. You don't have to pretend it's like not, it's just strange to me. So I, It's not a separate thing, play-in tournament stats? Yeah. Who's the, who's the all-time leading well, scorer? I think, I think, I think Ball is going to lead the league in playoff <laughs> stats. Sounds like he's going to spend most of his career there. But that would be a bummer if the, the Wolves lose two games they they're not because they made the playoffs in so long. I mean, I guess they made the one year where they barely got in with Jimmy the Jokic Butler. Game, the Jokic year. Yeah, and then Jokic went went seat to seat on the plane, so this will never happen again. <laughs> 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 the origin story, and he was followed by his two brothers on yeah, the plane I was too. Say, oh, the brothers <laughs> one, yeah. yeah, I. I um, it's a good point that it's good. It's good food for thought because the other part would have been. Yeah, the Lakers, because the plan was there, and like you said, the tenth seed was so far behind, you know, the the top seven or eight, like that was in play for the Lakers for the last week or two. And if there was no play-in, I mean, they would have been toast like a month ago. <laughs> like it would have been over because they were so far behind the Timberwolves. Um, and that that game when, um, when Towns. 
and their team was clowning Westbrook, would it would have been even better because <laughs> they would have been out of the playoffs. So. Vogel would have been fired much earlier. Yes, you know? right. The plan saved him for 08 <laughs> with the Woj bomb. Um, but, yeah, who do you guys – I mean, the Spurs snuck in. I mean, they have a positive point differential. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely um, – I agree. I mean, it feels like to me the Wolves and the Clips, you know, I mean, it feels like Nets, Hawks, Wolves, Clips – but, um, but yeah, who well, do you think? Who do you, who do you like in the New Orleans San Antonio game? That does feel a little like the Pacers Hornets game last year. Although <laughs> <laughs> CJ McCollum is offended. Well, they, actually, New Orleans is is actually a de- decently fun team to watch. So I'm going to say the Pelicans win, but I do I don't think we're going to see them go beyond that game. Well, it's, yeah. it is funny though. Like the speak, we were laughing about the Oklahoma City Thunder having unknown players. I mean, the Spurs have an element of that. They have all these just the, all these like youngish guys that like are still sort of establishing themselves. The Keldon Johnsons, Dejounte Murray's. I mean, Murray is obviously kind of a step above, but even Pirtle to a certain degree. But outside of you know his word game name, <laughs> he, he the Spurs are. I mean. They kind of remind me of like those early '90s video games where they didn't have the like players' association licensing quite yet, <laughs> so they had to like put in all these fake names, it's like Smith on the Hornets. Like they got the, they got the NBA licensing, but not the player licensing. It's, uh, was that how the portal game uh, started? It was like, hey, this will be a chance to so people can get to know your teammates and, and all that. <laughs> I think so, but no, I. I I just think for the sake of the playoffs, I just I hope it is kind of shake out the way you called it, Rise. That I think the Hawks in a one eight matchup, they'll probably get smoked by the Heat. I mean, as as fun as they were last year in the playoffs, they've clearly got some dysfunction this year. But you know, Trey Young's legit. He's fun to watch and he can do some things and Miami has trouble scoring. So playing against a team that can can clearly put up points might you know, provide an avenue for, for some fun, at least fun five or six games. And same yeah. with the, obviously the Nets are, are, are a different story in terms of how competitive they may be able to become. And, and in the Western conference, I mean, the Wolves and the Clippers are not, that's no like walk in the park They're for, legit. They're for, legit. for Phoenix and Memphis. I mean, the fact that like, if I'm actually golden state in Dallas, I mean, outside of the Doncic injury, I feel much better about the five me playing the jazz or the nuggets than I would about, Yes. Uh, I mean, particularly the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers kind of terrify me, frankly. How good of a coach Ty Lue has proved to be in the playoffs. The fact that PG is back, Norm Powell is back. I mean, those guys are like they, – they like showed up from being gone for three months and are just hitting on all cylinders. I mean, Paul George is like shot out of a cannon coming back from injury, just he's shooting the ball, creating, defending. I mean, it's just – it's kind of amazing to me. Not to mention the, 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 the potential of Kawhi – re-enter you know entering the building which probably won't happen but it would certainly be fun if it did you can never you can never count them out completely um i agree i i they're almost it's almost more than last year i mean obviously Kawhi got hurt in the playoffs and he had that crazy you know series with the mavericks and yeah he was incredible and so losing him against the jazz like it kind of even though they pulled through but even like post Kawhi, like this team is like has more guys than that team. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. If like the guys from last year are still playing well for them. And then they have these new, like the guys that got from Portland, like it, yeah, it would, it would, I would not, um, 
I would not want to see those guys. And I wonder, I guess I'd, I'd prefer the Wolves because I feel like the Wolves could give you a game or two. But the Clippers, to go back to one of your favorite um, words, Michael, along with fungible, is variance. I definitely think the Clippers have a very varied, extremely high variance in terms of how they could play. And they definitely will still be the, the underdog. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't. And, and also, you know, I do think Phoenix, one of their only um, weaknesses is that they do not have guys who can guard Paul George. Like they don't have any, not that many teams do, but they don't have any, they're kind of, they're a little jazzy in that they do. You think def- Bridges is too small? I mean, Bridges is great, but I, I just don't, I don't think he can, I think Paul George, they had Kawhi, obviously, they can still get to their jumper over him. Like I don't, I don't think. I don't think he's strong enough to, to do that. No, he's it's a fair point, but I, I also worry about Crowder with them. I feel like they need to play, play Johnson more over Crowder and go smaller even than they are just because Crowder, if he's not hitting threes, is a, is a nothing on offense. And it's a little, it's a little Tucker esque right now. I just, I just, I would get worried about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, Bridges is great, but I'd rather have him chasing like a one or a two and not guarding a three. So. Um, and with all those guys that can throw them, they can play small and they can constantly be like bigger than all of the, cause like Shamit, Payne, they have, they just have a lot of like slight guard. Booker's tough as he comes, but he's still not like, he's like six, four. He's not like six, seven. So and, and going to the East, so I, I do feel like the Nets, I don't know. I wouldn't want to play Boston, even with Williams being out. I just feel like that's a bad matchup for the Nets just cause they have, two guys that they basically can't guard. I mean, Durant can try, but especially with Tatum, like who's going to, they, they just have no one who can guard those guys. Well, that's a problem. I mean, Boston, it, it actually, it's a great point. I, I hadn't really thought about the fact that Boston is signing up to play Brooklyn because they, the way their defensive scheme is set up there, they have the wing defenders to throw at the, the types of guys like Kyrie and Durant. And then on the other end, Brooklyn, they they can't defend the jump shot creators yeah. like they like Durant is so is so fungible as a defender because he can ah, slip, he can slip ah, back and defend the rim ah. he can do, he can he can kind of do the sort of poor man's imitation of like some of these really great rim protectors when he needs to in the playoffs and be really valuable that way but that's when you're playing the the Celtics oftentimes that's less the concern it's having the one on one and support defense more in the wing space. That, that they just don't have. I mean, they're like best lineups are like the Mighty Might guard trio coupled with like, you know, Durant and then like pick your poison on like non, either like young non-shooter or old non-shooter, I guess is probably the better way to do it. Yeah. And so it's really is sort of the worst matchup. Whereas even if they came against Milwaukee, you know, they're no fun to play against either holiday and, and Middleton to a lesser degree can certainly have a lot to give. And Giannis is his own kind of beast, but at least from like a stylistic standpoint, you have Durant at that back line, even with, with, with Giannis coming. I mean, you even in that game that Giannis at the free throws that they beat the nets here, like last week, I mean, the last two minute report came out that basically was like, that should not have been a foul on Kevin Durant. I mean, that's yeah. like, they, like he, he went up with Giannis at the rim and it was called a foul, but like in hindsight was not. And I think that to me would have, would have made that series really fun. And, and whereas Boston, you know, they've been able to turn it around so substantially and defend so well that, you know, again, I just, 
you know, it's it's Brooklyn. I'm not sure is going to be long for the playoffs. Unfortunately, we yeah. should probably be making our our pick soon. But I do have to ask you guys which which matchup first round are you uh, most looking forward to watching? I mean, pre. Doncic injury. I was looking most forward to him playing against the Jazz because I, I was just like, this is like the worst possible. I mean, the worst possible we play the Clippers again with like Paul George and Kawhi coming back somehow. But the second worst was playing Doncic because it is like there is the guy they're least able to guard. Like it's like they're it's like it's like uh, it's Kryptonite if they're, they're not even Superman, but it's it's bad. And so I was just like, that's just gonna be amazing to watch, just to watch them melt down. And Quinn Snyder's like his beard to go longer and longer and, and more <laughs> haggard and you know more and more he goes he's gonna go like bearded Riley he's gonna slick his hair back completely <laughs> he shaves his head one day who knows it's gonna be I actually crazy. think Ryan I I think Dodgers might have planned this the whole time he might be a little winded a little gassed that's right he wants to take two <laughs> weeks off between the regular season and the playoffs not one. And so, in his mind, he can come back. The series might be 2-0 Utah. Yeah, he's, he's just right, going to rip off four in a row. Right where you want him. I do feel like it's. It, I do feel like he likes the playoffs in part because he, he was so great in the Olympics because it is like a, you have a day off between every game. There's no back-to-backs, and he can just, like, lounge when he's not playing. He really like, is. Like, I feel like he was – he's totally designed for the playoffs. It's, like, perfect <laughs> perfect for him. Uh, so, I really – I'm excited for that. Um, and – I mean, that's that's probably the biggest one. I am I am really curious to see Jokic going against Golden State. I think Golden State. I mean, if Steph's back, I do think they have too much for them because Denver sucks. Other than Jokic, but I am like curious to see Jokic just go to town on Looney and Draymond and, and kind of see how they how they deal with that. I mean, if 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 Jokic can beat Gold, if if Curry comes back and Jokic beats Golden State by himself, that's an impressive feat. So we'll yeah. see. How about you, D? Actually, in the West, I'm most looking forward to Golden State, Denver. I just think that will be if I, I think Joker going to town is going to be he's going to put on put on a show. No matter what they do, I don't, I don't think they can can slow him down. Uh, but in the East, I think it's it's definitely Celtics and Brooklyn. I think that's uh, yeah. We've been looking forward to whoever Brooklyn is going to play round one. Uh, I do think the 76ers Raptors game or series is going to be very competitive. Very interesting to see how that one turns out. Well, our guy um, Thibel, you're is not. I mean, could be a big loss. I mean, that's not good for them. They don't have no. a lot. They don't have a lot of they depth. Have. Like I said uh, last week, they're asking a lot of Danny Green now, and uh, yeah, I know he's got a couple championships, so maybe he's up for it. I mean, the good part for them is that Embiid is going to average like forty and twenty against them. Like, there's just and so mm-hmm. it's just kind of can they do they have enough to make that up? Because they're going to start in this like gigantic hole every time, and it's like, can they can they six nine the rest of those guys to death and and do it? And I I don't know, I don't know if they can do that. Um, but yeah, that, that that wouldn't be fun, you know. If, if Toronto could split with them in Philly, I mean, going back up to Toronto, those fans are crazy. Um, that'll be fun. I'm, I'm with you on that. I I just don't know. Like, like if I'm Again, I think Boston, maybe to your point, Michael, I don't think they're intimidated by the Nets, part because they have Tatum, and in part because their switching defense kind of takes it takes away some of what the Nets want to do, right? Because I don't, I don't think they're that concerned um, 
with any of their wing guys guarding anybody. I mean, Durant, you don't want to like, mouse in the house Durant against, you know, but their guards are pretty strong and pretty tough, you know, um, especially smart. So I feel like they can switch one through four against their perimeter guys. And it's sad William got hurt because before he got hurt, he could switch too. And if they were playing him as the sole big, I just feel like that really kind of doesn't allow the Nets to take advantage of what they do. And then I just think Tatum's going to go crazy. Like I just don't, there's just, they don't have anyone like, and they didn't really have it before the injuries. Um, and I don't think that Ben Simmons thing just feels like a little bit of like subterfuge. It just, it doesn't seem like, like, they said he got like he got like a um, epidural back in March, and now it's like I don't know if that. <laughs> I've only learned about. Well, I heard he stopped. He stopped exercising. Context. He stopped exercising with his phone in his pocket, and apparently it started working. He started getting in better shape. Stop. <laughs> yeah, he's really been itching to get in there. Obviously. It would totally change things, to be clear, if he came back. With, I mean, not not to mention it'd be like the weirdest story in like the history of the NBA. If a guy who like forced his way, seemingly under no circumstances, decided to force himself out of a, a, a town, had no problem, then got traded, and everyone thought he would start playing like right away. Turns out he actually was hurt, <laughs> and then like everyone thought he was done for the season, and then he just shows up for round one. I mean. It would be pretty wild if that was the case, and, and if he was anything resembling sort of old, old Ben Simmons. Well, the weird thing he, that he doesn't need to do that. He just needs to be Ben Simmons on defense, and that yeah. would like. I understand that he has to do enough on offense so they can, you know, slough off of him, and you know, how do they play with other big guys or whatever? But it's like they need someone who can guard like big wings and like be out there and guard people. It kind of reminds me of like when you're playing pickup and like you're on game four or five and you're winning, but you're running out of gas. And then one of your guys leaves and you get this like super athletic guy who comes in and he's just running back and forth <laughs> everywhere. He can't really shoot or do. He's not the most like skilled offensive player, but he's just getting rebounds and steals and layups and pressing people and doing stuff that kind of annoys everyone. But it's like, you're like, great. We're going to win a couple more games. Thanks to this guy. Uh, I think that's the best case, but it doesn't seem. He's basically morphed likely. into Matisse Thybul now, right? Then that's, that's right. That's, that's, that's true. He's a specialist. Well, no, I, he I pa- thought you were going to say Faco Composo. He passed. Oh, he, <laughs> no, he passed the ball to Thybul right in that game, and that uh, he transferred his power. He lost his power <laughs> at that point. That was it. He turned into Thybul. And will they bring Hacka Simmons into strategy the opposing team? I don't know. Oh, totally. I would. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, Yudoka would do that, man. He's playing for blood, man. He's playing for, for real. He's not messing around. Well, the worst part is that we did get robbed of Philadelphia, Brooklyn, which would have been so fun. I know. Yeah. It was smart of them to avoid, though, because they. I think that would have just been. It would have been more of the same, I feel like. I mean, do you guys think. Can Harden, like. I mean, Michael, you called out a week or two ago. Like, they do seem like the most likely to drop of the top four but it's still like i mean is it even that much of a drop at this point considering how poorly they've been playing doc rivers seems to be like not doing the best in terms of his i don't know he got asked about playing deandre jordan um he didn't take kindly to that question um and, and as an aside deandre jordan like he's basically westbrooking it did you see the the, the clip going around of him like not trying i know it's like the game probably doesn't matter but like it was like Westbrook-esque. It was a shot went up. He didn't block out. He kind of ran around. He didn't – it was like he was, didn't even care. It's just like – it's just funny because, 
you know, Van Gundy always talks about playing hard. Everyone needs to play hard. You're kind of like, well, of course they're playing hard, but sometimes they're not. Like sometimes NBA guys do not play hard. It's it's accurate, and it's just like, why is he still playing? I don't understand. Um, well, why does he keep getting signed? I mean, he's been basically bought out three times now. It's just it's wild to me. Power, that, yeah, but that this keeps happening. But it does seem Philly to me. I mean. I think Philly's going to lose. I mean, I might be a casualty of the moment, but it, it thinks Philly is, is, I mean, as great as Embiid is, some of the advanced stuff on, on Harden this year and even in his Philly stint, especially if you isolate outside of that first week where it seemed like he was on best behavior, it's like he was visiting his in-laws for the first time. It's like what Harden's like inability to get to the rim like as long as he basically has a step back three and that's it. I mean, it's like, it's really concerning at that. We had this guy who was like a top eight, top six guy for seven or eight years. And all of a sudden just has fallen off a cliff. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of nuts to me that, you know, they haven't translated as well. And so I'm curious how it, it's not exactly, he's like, a, he doesn't exactly have a vaunted playoff record either. Right. So I just, that gets, gets me concerned that especially when, especially when he's playing a team like Toronto that just is going to have like arms and length, you know, that that's going to theoretically at least neutralize that step back three a little bit more than, than maybe other teams are going to have challenges doing. And he also just, he, he, I think he blamed some of it on spacing and yeah. Like if they had like three great shooters around him and, and B that would definitely help. Um, But it's like, this is, you know, this is the business you've chosen. You know, it's like you, 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 this is what you're doing. And I, he, I'm a little also worried because he seems to be going kind of like point guard hardened a little bit. Like his assist numbers are like off the charts, but his shooting percentage is really low to your point, Michael, he's not getting to the rim. Um, one of the things the Siakam article was basically like he, like one of the things that helped him last year was he got COVID and he was really concerned about getting COVID, understandably, but he got it and he lost like 20 pounds due to COVID. And so he like playing a lot better because he was lighter, which is kind of the Jokic thing, I think, too. That was the fine. The first step was him going seat by seat on the plane saying this is the last time it's ever happened. <laughs> the last step was when he got COVID and he lost 20 pounds before coming to the bubble. And then he became like super Jokic. I think I think Harden needs to they need to. Have Thibel give him COVID immediately. <laughs> have him lose some pounds and then <laughs> get back to old Harden. He, he does. I mean, I, you know, it's easy for me to say, but it, it definitely he needs to get lighter. Like that's the only that's like the only answer. But it's yeah. I wonder what what do you think Maury? What do you think Maury's thinking right now? Do you like is he kind of like he he's just kind of like tied to the mast right now and it, it's, he's going out with the ship? Or I think he, he released like, the news about Vogel. To see if he can get the Lakers job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's like, hey, if we go down in round one, uh, Rivers is out of here. I'm going to throw him ah, out of the box. So I think right. Rivers has gotten the best one. That's the first, the first that. letter. The first letter. I like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's good. Um, I, I, I will say the matchup I'm most excited about, I hope we get Memphis Clippers. I actually think that Ooh. would be a really fun um, sort of young versus old to a certain degree. And, and there's a lot of – I think fun dynamics and and how those two teams match up. Um, yeah. That's a great one because they don't really like it. Kind of negates some of what Memphis does because they're like positionalists, and and it's not. I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. 
That's really, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's really, because they're so long across the board. They have just, everybody's so tall on that team. Yeah. It just would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's your point last week, Michael, too. It's like, does, is the next man up thing work in the playoffs? It's like, or is it going to be Billy Bean-esque, you know? Does, doesn't work. Sorry. Doesn't work in the playoffs. Yeah, right? I mean, that's like. <laughs> that, where the, be, the stars shine. <laughs> but on the bright side, what is fun, I think, is is all these, almost all the good teams have good coaches. Mm. Um, and so I, I think that is, that'll be one element that'll make, particularly as we get further into the playoffs, it'll make more and more fun that, that you get, you get sort of the best of the best and, you know, coaches aren't getting in the way of any of this stuff. Right. I mean, you could have, you know, all, all these different guys who are so well-renowned, right. Getting into, I mean, even like I mean, Memphis, I'm curious how like Taylor Jenkins fares because he's been really impressive so far in his sort of tenure and what, how that translates in the playoffs now that they're not just a plucky eight seed with John Morant trying to dunk on Rudy Gobert every game um, to see how he how he fares. But he, he strikes me as a guy who'll translate pretty well. Um, and after seeing how Nurse performed a couple of years ago, it just it seems like there's there's a lot of benefit to teams that do have coaches that kind of can can really kind of bring it when it comes to the playoffs. Ty Lue last year, or both of the last couple of years, I mean. And Spolster, obviously, kind of with the longer record. So that'll that's, a, be, that's a fun element to me. I really like that. Who and It was also great to see Morant come back and play really well, um, coming back from injury. But maybe the, maybe the one last topic would just be, just dovetailing off that, would be who are the worst co- – like assuming our play-in predictions go as maybe we seem like we think will happen, where it's Clippers and Wolves and it's Nets and Hawks. Who who are the who are the worst coaches of that of that group? Maybe one or two in each conference. Like, I mean, if I'm, I'll, th- I'll, I'll why don't you give me, give me who you think the worst coaches of that group of like sixteen teams, or maybe the worst couple? <laughs> uh, Rivers. Yeah, I know, right? It no, kinda, it is Doc Rivers. It kind of sure. stands out. It stands out. I mean, you know, I mean, you could. He's just a, had too many collapses at this point. It's yeah. Just, is that can't weird, ride though? that one title forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little like I feel like Nurse gives them like a half game, like half oh. game advantage in the series. Like it, yeah. it's like it's not a full, it's not, but it's like it's something. And it, it kind of reminded me of like playing for Harris, where it was like I always felt like he could win a game or two just because like he would always kind of try and do the right thing, not necessarily interpersonally, but definitely in motivation wise, <laughs> but definitely strategically or, or I guess tactically. Um, so I would, I would agree with rivers. I mean, obviously like Budenholzer kind of came through, so he's, he's uh, beyond it. And I mean, I, in the, um, I mean, Jason kid's still a little scary and, I am not a uh, I'm, you guys know I'm not a Michael Malone fan, so I don't I don't I think he's kind of just benefits from Jokic, but but I think Rivers really he called I think he really stands out as probably the worst coach. I mean, McMillan, Malone, there's a few guys who are like maybe a little shaky, but I think you guys are well, totally right. They're gonna lose, and the Rivers is well. Gone. It's Nash, Nash is the other one. I mean, he's That's he's gonna get into a first round matchup against Boston and he's gonna play like his five starters forty six minutes each and by like game four they're all gonna be cramping. (laughs) Just like Mike Mike D'Antoni taught him, man. (laughs) So the scary thing with the seventy sixers is like Rivers as a coach is now on a par with 
Harden's reputation as a player in the playoffs. Like they are both under the spotlight right now because it's it's a history. It's become the narrative that they have they have all uh, caved under the pressure of of the spotlight of the playoffs. So it's not, yeah, it's not it's... looking good for Phil. I think I like. I mean, I I predicted them after the trade. I said they'll be the team out of the East. But uh, if I had to put money on it, I I I think I'd go with Toronto. Well, I, but, I, do, and I do think, like, you just add the nurse half game advantage. You add Thibel being out two games, which I know he's yeah. not – he hasn't stepped up offensively the way as we were hoping, but he's still, like – he's an incredible defensive player. He's, like, a cog in their team. Um, so. I just feel if, if Toronto can get the upper hand in that series, I feel like Philadelphia can just start – will start pressing, and it will just be all the pressure on Embiid to carry them, which he will, but I, I just don't – I don't know yeah, if he can't score. Enough. He can't score like forty to fifty. Like he's yeah. can't, he can't do that. Well, even just he's in better condition than he's been. But I mean, do we remember Joel Embiid in the playoffs every year? I mean, he gets to like ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he's hands on knees. Heaving, no, heaving, heaving. He's a new man this year. No, but he he won the scoring title with the least amount of minutes I think ever. Like no, it was crazy. Steph was like at thirty four minutes when he won the scoring title a few years ago. Embiid, 33.4 minutes, I think it was. He ran the scoring title. So it's like, yeah, he's not going to – like some of these guys are going to go up to like low 40s. Like Embiid's not going to low 40s. And this is what – that's really really affected them negatively when they played the Raptors when, you know, kind of notoriously like, you know, when they had um, – was it Monroe? Was it Greg Monroe? Whoever they had as their backup center just got absolutely destroyed in the um, – I think it was in game seven against the Raptors and that like cost him like MB was plus eight and Monroe was like minus 10. So in like four minutes. And I I think that's, I think that's part of like what, you know, why rivers getting criticized for playing Deandre Jordan is like, there's a path, a a pass there and like a path forward where, you know, it beats tired. Deandre Jordan is playing minutes. Now they're playing the Raptors without a center. So, Maybe they will play Paul Reed, other guys in there, and, and kind of work it out. But do we trust Doc Rivers to make those choices? Doesn't doesn't seem like that's that's going to happen. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think they lose. Rivers leaves, maybe for the Lakers, maybe somewhere else, and then Maury trades Tobias Harris, uses his salary somehow and some picks to get like some other guys, other guys in there. I think that's. Well, the big question to me is what do they what do they pay Harden, and will Maury just pony up and give him the max? Because he's eligible for the thirty five percent max now that he's a ten year player, I think. Yeah. And and as a result, I mean, that's a hefty sum of money for a dude that doesn't exactly have a a good uh, a good solid history of how to manage his weight and his body. I yeah. Mean, the conversation two years ago when he got traded to Brooklyn the first time was was how his body would fare, you know, given the lifestyle he leads. I mean, that was the entire discourse in advance of that trade to Brooklyn. When it was like, oh, does he go to Philly? Does he go to Brooklyn? How much do you give up? Do you want to rely <laughs> on James Harden? I mean, that was like 18 months ago. Like, yeah, it's only gotten worse. He still yeah. completes him. He'll give him whatever. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happening. He already signed that but, away. I know. So, I, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I was going to, I was going to move to final, uh, final predictions for the playoffs, but you go ahead. No, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, right, who wins the East? Who wins the West? Who wins the NBA championship? I, I think I've come full circle. I've got I got Phoenix, Milwaukee. 
I think that's uh, that's where I'm going to stand for now. I'll probably change Sunday night, but for now, that's where I am. I mean, I, I was tempted. I was. I'm tempted to shift now that you said that, but I was going to say the, the exact same thing. I got uh, a rematch of last year's finals. Only this year, Phoenix prevails. Yeah, guys. You know, when you make a prediction, I like to stick with it. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Nets and Lakers. <laughs> Wait, what? Never stop believing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really boring, but it does seem like those are the two teams. Um, I don't really see anyone in the East that could, you know, can beat them. So I think Milwaukee is back. I feel less confident about Phoenix, but I think um, it'll be fun to see if one of those other teams can kind of get on a run and, and do something. Um I mean, it's pretty crazy how, how it's still so open. I mean, Phoenix is – so I'm going with you guys um, in terms of that that matchup. And, um, yeah, I hope Monty and Chris Paul win one. So I'll, I'll make that prediction. Um, but, yeah, it'll be a fun. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, our uh, apologies tonight to um, Frank Vogel. He had committed a week ago to come on the podcast. He had a rough day today, so – uh, we didn't have time. He left. Woj well, just tweeted he's not coming on. So, yeah. It's just... <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit. <laughs>